Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am back with you, Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Maybe not always, Colby. It's been a few weeks, but uh, we are back at it. Carson, so good to be back at it. Uh, Life's been busy. New jobs, new babies, PGA Championship, Tiger Woods, Justin World Day weekend. (laughs) World Day weekend. The works. But now we're here. Golf season's over. Baseball season and softball season are heating up championships being played for. So uh, no time like the present to get back after it. We do have a lot going on. We have a lot to kind of recap and get to and a lot of news to, to tackle as well. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. I'm sure Stillwater will be buzzing. Oklahoma City will be buzzing with the Women's College World Series, but the baseball team hosting a regional as well. So if you're in town for some baseball up in Stilly, be sure to stop by Chris's University Spirit. All right, Colby, I mentioned we got a lot to get to. Let's start with the uh, Cowgirls making it to the Women's College World Series. They came through. They do advance. And I think, and of course, we got to get to the, the Kenny Gajewski contract news as well. But first, just your thoughts on on the Cowgirls making it to the Women's College World Series again. Yeah, it's one of those things where <sighs> – I don't want to say that you expect it, but we've kind of come to with, with Cowgirl softball, right? I mean, Kenny Gajewski has elevated this program to a point where I think it would have been a disappointment for Oklahoma State fans if they hadn't made it back to Oklahoma City. This is now three in a row uh, for Oklahoma State making it to the Women's College World Series. Uh, first time that Oklahoma State has done that in the NCAA era. Pretty awesome stuff. Got it done in Stillwater in front of a ton of home fans rushing the field while, while everybody's going crazy. It's just it's phenomenal, and for, for baseball and softball to both be amongst the best teams in the country, you factor in that the, the OSU men's and women's golf programs have been amongst the best teams in the country. It really has made spring sports a ton of fun for Oklahoma State fans into June. Carson, it's June 1st, uh, so Oklahoma State fans get to enjoy high-level athletics from September 1st through the middle of June, and not a lot of universities have that, so uh, not something to take for granted. Well, we all know how popular the sport of softball has become nationwide, the, the giant crowds that descend upon Oklahoma City. But I really think Kenny Gajewski has made the OSU people excited about the sport to a level which we haven't really seen in our lifetimes, uh, Colby. I know Michelle Smith uh, played at Oklahoma State, of course, a huge name. But OSU softball had a losing record in 2012 and in 2014 and 2015. They were kind of on a very – downward trajectory similar to what OSU women's basketball was before Kurt Butke came along. And just you and I have sung the praises of Kenny Gajewski for a long time on this show. Just the way he's made it almost an expectation to make it back to Oklahoma City is remarkable. And I, I know there's a lot to be done with, you know, perhaps a new softball stadium and facilities and all those things. But I thought this stat from Mike Harris, uh, former colleague of mine at the Daily O Collegian back in my college days, uh, he had a great stat here. It says, quote, for context, uh, since Gajewski took over in 2016, only four programs have made back-to-back-to-back Women's College World Series appearances. They are titans of the sport, UCLA, Arizona, Oklahoma, and Florida. And Mike adds, when you talk about those, you're really talking about blue bloods. What Gajewski's done in six years is remarkable. And that's the crazy thing, Colby. So we've been there six years. I mean, this was a fast fast turnaround and one that has been one of the best coaching turnarounds of a program you'll see in any sport yeah especially considering right down the road your in-state rival is the number one team in the country and has been for a good number of years now under patty gasso i mean they've they've put together a legendary caliber softball program down there in norman and kenny gajewski just walks into oklahoma state in 2016 they have not missed the playoffs uh in his tenure they've just been phenomenal playoffs whatever you want regionals uh they have not missed that in his tenure at oklahoma state since 2016 it's just it's remarkable what he's been able to accomplish the new contract the extensions getting him there through 
through 2027. Uh, it's great for him. It's great for the program. And uh, yeah, Oklahoma State softball has become a a marquee item, a big ticket item. And I, I didn't see that coming, Carson. I was at Oklahoma State 2011 through 2015. So I just missed the Kenny Gaieski era. And softball just wasn't a thing people really cared about whenever I was at, at, in school at Oklahoma State. I think in four years, uh, I mean, I think I probably went to two softball games maybe in four years. The, the team wasn't very good. There was no energy around the program. Uh, pe people didn't really care much about it. And now, I mean, it's the place to be in Stillwater uh, whenever the softball teams play. And it, it's a ton of fun. They're, they're fun to watch. Uh, and they're good. And they're easy to root for. So big, big shout out to Kenny Gajewski and the softball program because it is much different now than it was a decade ago when I was in school. Yeah, and you, you mentioned how the expectations have shifted under Gajewski, and he said to the to the, uh, the Ocali, speaking of the Ocali, he gave a great quote saying, it's not just getting to Oklahoma City. Uh, it was getting to Oklahoma City our first years. That's not the expectation now. The expectation now, of course, is to go win the whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, Colby, I'm looking at the bracket here, and my goodness, it is opened up. For Oklahoma State on their side of the bracket. Oklahoma's on the other side. Oklahoma has fifth-ranked UCLA and, and ninth-ranked Northwestern. Oklahoma State does have 14th-ranked Florida. They're one of the preeminent powers in the sport. The 14 next to their name belies how good they are. They're really good. But Oregon State and Arizona, they're not in the top 25 uh, in, in Oklahoma State's bracket. So they have a real opportunity with this bracket opening up the way it has they do play Arizona, who is a blue blood, quote unquote, but their their record simply is is not very good. They're thirty three and twenty. They have a uh, let's see here. They have a losing record on the road. They're three and two at neutral site and twenty four and ten at home. They're just not vintage Arizona. They're forty third in the rankings, and Oregon State is thirty seventh with a thirty three and nineteen record. So if Oklahoma State just handles their business, they should. They should definitely have a, a potential rematch with Oklahoma in the, in the championship game. I know there's, it's softball, you know, it's a, it's a crazy tournament, but the, the bracket itself, Colby, has really opened up for OSU. Yeah, a Bedlam National Championship would be unbelievable, and obviously you would be a huge favorite, as they will be in any series that they play. I'm curious, Carson, because I, I don't want to do revisionist history, so I want you to verify this for me. Is it my imagination, or do they make Oklahoma State play at midnight every year? for this thing because it's scheduled for 9:30 on Thursday night but we know how this goes the Oregon State Florida game is going to run long so instead of it being over at 9 it's going to be over at 9:20 Oklahoma State Arizona is going to start at 9:45 we're going to end up out there at 11:30 Thursday night playing softball against a West Coast team that's going to be 2 hours behind on body clock am i revisionist history or does Oklahoma State always get to play the midnight game well, you would think after the fiasco, of, what was it last year when they were playing well in the midnight? Now it's eight thirty central. I think you got the East Coast time. Oh, do I? Mean, oh, okay. I got it. I thought I was looking at local times. It is East Coast, so yes. My yeah, my apologies. It'll start at eight thirty Oklahoma time. Supposedly, you know, I know they've they've revamped the scheduling some, but we all know, you know, how softball can be. It's it's a fast sport, but you know, you're playing multiple games. I mean, those those tend to stack up, especially with TV and commercials and and all those things and pitching changes, things of that nature. I know there's not as many in softballs as baseball. Rain, I mean, it's, it's it's the end of May, beginning of June, we're into June now, but there's still, of course, severe weather season. So I don't know. You, you might be right. I mean, I, look, if you want me to put my conspiracy tinfoil hat on for any time the NCAA is involved, I'm with you. I think the thinking here, though, was, you know, let's get, you know, one of the home teams in, in the prime time, you know, primetime slot you know for nighttime television that, that's my thinking anyway yeah you're probably right and obviously they wanted to split OU and OSU into the two sessions so that they can try to sell out both sessions yep. because let's be real if OU was playing at, at, at six and OSU was playing at 8 30 well everybody locally would buy tickets to the second session and the first session would not look so great uh on tv but yeah OU's second game of the first session so that'll sell a ton of tickets OSU's second game of the second section should sell a ton of tickets it's I mean, it's kind of just coincidence, Carson, but it is really convenient and an advantage for both OU and OSU to essentially play in front of a home crowd every game because the Women's College World Series, I mean, it's like Omaha and Nebraska. It just runs through Oklahoma City. And, uh, I mean, the fact that two of the top eight schools every year in college softball are OU and OSU is one heck of a coincidence. Um, I, I guess when it benefits you, you'll take it when you can get it. 
Yeah, and I'm sure some of those SEC schools, maybe some of those those West Coast powerhouses are, are tired of that already, just dealing with Oklahoma. Now that they have two schools to deal with, I'm sure they're going to do their best to try and lobby and get it moved and all those things. But that's that ain't going to happen because it's such a success. They built up that stadium tremendously, and it's going to be a fun, fun week in, in Oklahoma City. And, you know, the big concern after Oklahoma State made it to the Women's College World Series is, you know, Kenny Gajewski's stock is – about as high as it's ever been, and it's just through the roof. And in Texas A&M has all that money. We all know about the NIL deals they're doing with football. They had they had fired their head coach, and there was some rumblings and rumors that they were going to make a run at Gajewski. I'm sure. I'm sure knowing A&M, they probably thought they could go get Patty Gasso from OU. That's just how A&M thinks and operates. They think they can just buy whoever they want. Uh, but. Oklahoma State wasn't going to let that happen. They, they awarded Kenny Gajewski a contract extension through the year 2027. And it's stating the obvious here, Colby, but a, a well-deserved raise and contract for a guy that, again, has – he didn't make the program out of nothing. They did make the Women's College World Series in 2011. But we can all agree the heights he's brought them to and the expectations they now have was well worth this contract. Yeah, and I want to clarify, I was at Oklahoma State from the fall of 2011 through 2015, so I got out. I got there basically between when softball was good is whenever I was in school at Oklahoma State. Uh, Kenny G, so deserving. Again, like I said, the pressure to, to elevate this program to the level that he has it at with OU doing what they're doing right down the road is immense because no Oklahoma State fan wants to have to sit here the first week of June every year and, and watch OU get on Twitter and celebrate and do this, that, and the other. They've got a great team. They can do their stuff. Uh, but Oklahoma State's a part of this as well. It also it sets up for what would be potentially a historic upset in a – what, what do we call them? non-revenue sports that, that people tend to quote unquote, not care as much about. We care a lot about our softball here in the state of Oklahoma. And yeah, OU is going to be a big favorite if these two meet for the national championship, but crazier things have happened in sports. Get there and give yourself a chance. I mean, Oklahoma state's the big 12 champs. Oklahoma state won the tournament, uh, beat them at the end. Uh, you know, if OU fans want to say that they won in the regular season, it was a fluke, this, that, and the other. Okay, that's fine. Let's run it back for a national championship. If they win, that's kind of what was expected. If you win, kind of playing with house money, boom, one of the all-time upsets, uh, and you get to rub it in their faces for a while. So uh, awesome for Kenny Gajewski, and really hope that we get that Bedlam national championship because, like I said, Carson, it just would feel like house money at that point. No, I think I'm with you. Who, who doesn't want to see that? I mean, that just makes the interest that much higher and, and beating your arch rival to win a national title doesn't get any better than that. Now, losing it probably <laughs> hurts tenfold. I understand that, but you certainly would like the opportunity, you know, to, to be the best, you got to beat the best. And that's probably what's going to happen. They're both heavily favored uh, to make it there. I'm curious to get your take too. You know, only one SEC school makes it to the Women's College World Series. They've dominated the sport as of late. Oklahoma and Texas are there. We all know they're going to the SEC. I wonder how much Kenny factored that in with his Oklahoma State contract extension, just what the Big 12 is going to look like. I, I think it would I think it'd probably be good for Oklahoma State, just like in football and in, in softball, to, to get out of OU's shadow within the conference. You know, they didn't win the Big 12 this year because Oklahoma won it. Uh, they did win the tournament. We all know that. But how do you think the sport will shift? And how much do you think Gajewski factored that into potentially staying or even going to an A&M where the SEC is, you know, known as the powerhouse conference? Yeah, it's a good question. You, you'd have to really get inside the mind of Kenny Gajewski to know. I don't know how much that played a role. Yes, you get in a conference without Oklahoma, and that makes you the big dog, right? And you can just kind of dominate, cakewalk your way into a regional and super regional every year and hopefully keep making trips back to Oklahoma City until you're able to put together a magical run and win it all. Now, if none of this conference realignment stuff had happened and Kenny Gajewski was having the same success at Oklahoma State and was just as happy in Stillwater and they offered him the same contract extension, does he take it? probably, but you know, that's, that's trying to get inside the mind of, uh, of Kenny G. I, I just, I think he's happy in Stillwater, Carson. I think he likes it in Stillwater. I think it's a good, good pairing between him and Oklahoma state. Um, so I think he would have been there regardless, but I'm sure it doesn't hurt that, you know, uh, here in a few years, the big dog's leaving and then you're going to step into those shoes. Yep. That's right. I, I think it's a good thing. I mean, I, again, 
they can, and that's what's great about softball. You play so many games, you can still play a series uh, with Oklahoma, you know, in, in non-conference, which I think would be great for the sport in general. And I think that's probably something they would do. Uh, but hey, more Big 12 titles isn't going to hurt their cause for sure. And that's that's something we can look forward to. And who knows when all that'll that'll shake out. But again, Oklahoma State, Arizona tomorrow, 830 Central, pending any delays. And uh, should be a fun week in Oklahoma City. Uh, let's get to baseball, uh, Colby. There was a lot of, you know, a lot of talk, a lot of reports on how the seating would break down. You know, Oklahoma, the Sooners made this great run in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, it was funny, Colby, yet all these Sooner fans, and I know you have a, I know you probably have an opinion on this. All these Sooner fans on Twitter were trying to deny OSU from celebrating a Big 12 softball tournament title and said, it's not the real championship. It's not the real championship. And then when the OU baseball team wins the Big 12 tournament, all of a sudden it's, we're Big 12 champs. We should get a seed over a, a hosting a regional over Oklahoma State. We won the tournament. It was funny to see their, their opinions shift there when the, the results were were slightly different. It was so funny and it was so predictable, right? I mean, as soon as they lose at softball, it's kind of like they've become as softball fans, kind of the way they are with the, with football fans, where it's like, they just expect to win every time at everything. And if they don't, their little heads just can't take it. And they explode and they lose their minds and they start being irrational. That is what happened when Oklahoma State won the Big 12 softball tournament. They got upset. They started pointing to the regular season record, talking about how you play all year. And this is just a little tournament that it culminates in. All this stuff, three and one on the season, this, that, and the other, but you don't win the one that matters. Then all of a sudden, OU starts playing pretty well in the baseball tournament. And it's like, man, this Big 12 baseball tournament's a big deal. This is a really big deal, Carson. How can they leave us out? How are we not the best baseball team in the country when we just won the little tournament at the end of the year that everybody likes to talk about? And for the record, I do think uh, that there is something to be said for conference tournaments. I think that they're important. I think winning them matters. Um, but it, you, you can't have one without the other. So, uh, I mean, look, as I do with most things, Carson, I got a kick out of OU fans squirming around softball and baseball and trying to justify being upset at one thing while also being upset at the other thing and those things being in direct contradiction of each other. It was great fun for me. Look, I, I of course put way more stock into a big 12 regular season championship. That's, that's always been my opinion, whether it's men's basketball, whether it's softball, you name it. The most legitimate conference championship is the regular season, but you do, you do deserve and earn a lot of credit for winning a conference tournament. They're hard to win. It's hard to win any bracket format. It just is. So you, you deserve credit for winning both. And so I just, I, I'm with you. I, I found it so humorous and, and so predictable. But Oklahoma State will host. They are the number seven seed. They'll have Arkansas, Grand Canyon, and Missouri State in the Stillwater Regional. Colby, it's going to be a madhouse at O'Brate Stadium because I'm sure you know this. Arkansas baseball fans are crazy and they travel. Every OSU fan better get used to hearing the calling of the hogs coming to Stillwater. So we're going to hear a lot of it up in Stillwater at O'Brate Stadium. And it's a bit of a tough draw. I mean, yeah, Arkansas is legit. I mean, they're, they're ranked 13th. Oklahoma State's ranked ninth in the latest rankings, but Arkansas is a better record. And they were previously higher ranked than Oklahoma State until you know, the last rankings came out. So I mean, it's a tough, tough matchup, and it's not going to be easy to, to advance to Super Regional. Uh, no, it's not. Arkansas is a really good team, and they're a really good program. Arkansas knows how to play postseason baseball. Uh, they're there pretty much every year. This is a little bit of a down year for them to be the two seed in the Stillwater Regional. Grand Canyon is a pretty good team every year. Teams go out uh, in February, and they go out to Scottsdale, and, and they play Grand Canyon, and they play in that tournament because the weather's awesome, and you can go get some early season baseball in in the heat. Grand Canyon is a good team that went 41-19 and 19 this year, 25-5 and five in conference. I don't care what conference you're playing in. They're in the whack. They, they were winning five times for every time they lost in conference. That team can play a little bit. Uh, and then Missouri State, I, I don't expect much from. They're kind of a, uh, a throwaway, 8-13 and 13 in conference, 30-27. and 27 overall but I would put the top three teams in this regional Oklahoma State Arkansas and Grand Canyon I mean those are really strong two and three seeds uh so Oklahoma State let's let's hope the bats are working get that south wind get Griffin Dershing up there and hit some bombs because this is it, they've got a tall task in front of them yeah it's almost like the NCAA you know 
sorting all the teams out, they're like, we're going to give Oklahoma State the regional. We're going to let them host, but they're going to have a tough one because they were kind of on the, you know, the, the fringes of, of getting to host. And I, and I do think, too, and I, I'm totally with you. I think Grand Canyon, their record speaks for itself, and we all know what Arkansas presents. I do think that O'Brate Stadium played a factor here. I think having Allie P. Reynolds Stadium hurt OSU for years in terms of hosting. Uh, I remember that one year they said they couldn't host because they didn't have enough hotel rooms. Well, we all know how far Stillwater's come since the Andy Oliver days and things of that nature. But I do think having that stadium, you know, they put in bids to the NCAA to host. I think they're seeing the fruits of O'Brate Stadium as well as the, the overall resume. The resume was certainly worthy of hosting. I don't mean to make it all about the stadium, but I, I certainly didn't think it hurt their cause to have shiny brand new O'Brate Stadium to, to host not only the home fans, but all those traveling Arkansas fans as well. No, you're absolutely right. The stadium's a big deal, and uh, it was a big deal for Oklahoma State when they built it. We knew it. We knew it was going to bring more people in. We knew it was going to be a draw nationally, and it has been. It's gotten some attention on social media, uh, and now we get to to showcase it, right? I mean, you get the regional. Uh, games will be televised. People will be watching more college baseball than they've watched all season, and now that everything's kind of getting back to normal, we are fully, as far as sports go, in the, in the post-COVID era. You know, pack that place out, and uh, let's watch some good baseball. I don't know, Carson, it, it didn't work out for me. The, the timing worked out horribly for me to be able to get to Obrate. Uh, it's very tough with a, a job that's mostly on the weekends and a newborn, but are you going to be able to get up there at all? I'd, I'd love to be there, but I'm not going to be able to make it. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it either, unfortunately. Uh, I do have plans, but man, I, if they happen to host a super, I'm going to make every effort to, to get up there. And of course we got a long way to go until that happens. Um, what do you think about the way OSU's playing right now? I mean, they got swept by yeah. tech. That was disappointing. They took two or three from Baylor had a nice run in the, in the uh, big 12 tournament before falling to Texas. It's been hit, hit and miss. I mean, I know Texas tech's really good, but that was such a huge series with the big 12 on the line. Um, what do you at make home. of their pitching and hit at home? What do you make of their pitching and hitting? And do you think they have a real shot here to make it to Omaha? Carson, they're streaky. They are streaky. That that series against Tech, you know, it was just not too long after you had the sweep against Texas down in Austin, which was unbelievable. Uh, everybody was having a great time, the big comeback. They, they've had to mount several big comebacks because sometimes they just come out flat, man, and you'll look up, and they're down, you know, seven, eight, nine to one after three, four, five innings. And then they, they mount these crazy comebacks. So, you know, get off to some better starts and you'll be all right. Justin Campbell, I'm not worried about. He should be able to go out and do what he needs to do. Guys behind him, it, it's kind of hit or miss. Um, it, it's just whoever gets hot at this point in the season. Oklahoma State is not coming in, I wouldn't say, on fire. They're playing good but not great baseball. So it, it's not like they're going to come in just on an absolute heater and, and then get punched in the face uh, and not being able to respond. So I, I like where they're at. I don't love where they're at is that a fair assessment uh, that's fair and I, I certainly think you know baseball is streaky by nature and I do think being at home you know teams that that win and make it to Omaha and even win in Omaha they just they, they get on one of those heaters they get on one of those runs and I think playing in front of their home crowd you know with with Griffin the the, the king viking hitting 500 feet homers I think that's a real way to build momentum. They're obviously going to need some pitching. They're going to need their pitching to come through, of course, to make it to Omaha. But I do think it's set up very well for them to start, you know, finding their groove in, in friendly, familiar confines and just carry that momentum. And who knows? Maybe Grand Canyon upsets Arkansas in the first game and they get to, you know, play Grand Canyon. Arkansas has to work their way back and they, they're able to host the Super Regional if the bracket falls right. We don't know. But I certainly like this setup hosting for their chances to get to Omaha way more than if they had to go on the road and battle their way through a, a road super regional potentially. So I, you're right. It's been hit and miss. They've been streaky and they, they need to obviously get off to better starts, but I certainly like the way things are positioned, at least as we stand today. And they'll, they'll play Missouri state Friday at, at six o'clock. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're a wildly talented team. We know that. Uh, they're, they've got a deep pitching staff, good closer. They've got a bunch of good hitters. 
you just you have to put it all together at the right time. I mean, that's what the postseason is, right? OU and OSU men's golf, two best teams in the country. They make math, match play. They're both bounced in the quarters. I mean, they ran into teams that were hot. The two teams that they lost to in the quarters are playing for the national championship right now as we're recording this. Sometimes you run into a hot team. That could be Oklahoma State. It could be Arkansas. It could be Grand Canyon. That's just the nature of the beast uh, with baseball. So hopefully Justin Campbell does what he needs to do, is a reliable uh, kind of automatic win when he takes the bump uh, and then go out and try to get it done against what I think are, are pretty good Arkansas and Grand Canyon teams. I'm, I'm really excited for it. Combine that with the softball and a uh, lot of diamond sports going to be on the TV this weekend. Yep. It's going to be fun. Still waters going to be rocking. Be sure to pack O'Braid if you're able to make it up there. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. You can watch it on ESPN plus if you're not able to make it to Stilly. All right. You mentioned the golf Oklahoma state goes down once again to Texas in match play. And, um, I don't know. I was, I was not very hopeful. I don't know how you felt going into match play. I just, Colby, in my opinion, this just wasn't a vintage Oklahoma State golf team. I mean, Lopez Chikara is an, is an obvious stud. I mean, he transferred from Wake Forest. He's of that caliber of, of Oklahoma State golfer we're, using, we're used to seeing. Eamon Gupta has had a great resurgence late in his career. He had a great run at the USAM, was a year ago, two years ago. But in Brian Starks, a very promising young player, but Bo Jin just he, he struggled this year, and Jonas Bumgardner was kind of in and out of the lineup along with Nearguard Peterson, who I who I was I had really high hopes for Nearguard Peterson coming out of when he was signed because he just that swing is just whew, it's it's gorgeous, and they just didn't have the team one through five that was a vintage Oklahoma State squad. I, I didn't really think they were the second best team in the country. Am I, am I being too overly critical of that? Cause that's, that was kind of my feelings even going into the Texas matchup. Yeah. I don't know. Whenever you look at the resumes throughout the season, I, I think they had the second best resume beside Oklahoma, Oklahoma, I think was the best team in the country, but I do think Oklahoma state was number two. There, there are a lot of teams around the country that are flawed. Uh, now, Texas, Missed both of the Cootie twins, Parker Cootie and Pearson Cootie. Missed a good chunk of the season with wrist injuries. Uh, great players for Texas. Their, their dad played collegially at Texas. Their grandpa won the Masters in 1971. So they've got a little bit of pedigree there. But uh, I think that the team Oklahoma State had in 2018 has almost maybe distorted what our view of a great collegiate golf team is because that team was Victor Hovland, Matthew Wolf, Austin Eckroat, Zach Boshu, and Christopher Ventura. And, and that is... That is an otherworldly college golf team. There's a reason that they won the stroke play portion of, uh, of the national championships in 2019 by like 36 shots. Whereas this year, you, you've got multiple teams coming right down to the wire, OU and Vanderbilt for that one seed. So uh, I don't want to compare every OSU golf team to those 18-19 teams because those were legendarily great teams. Uh, this was a, a really good Oklahoma State team that was going to have to get hot at the right time to win it. And, and they weren't the hot team at the right time. They were the five seed coming out of stroke play. Um, you, you know, they, they tied for the win in the regional, but they just, they weren't hot enough at the right time. Texas and Arizona State are, and that's why they're playing for a national championship. So another great season for Oklahoma State golf, but uh, another one that ends in disappointment. Uh, I'm trying to think, I guess the last time that, that Oklahoma State even made the championship match, Carson, not even won it, but the last time they made the championship match was at Carson in 2018. So that's been now three uh, full seasons that have come and gone with Oklahoma State being the best, if not one of the top two or three teams in the country and not advancing to that championship match. So uh, another great team, another great season, but another bitter end. Yeah, and I guess the, the positives here is, is Chikara has already announced he's coming back, and, man, he was so close to winning the individual national title. That was a wild – what was it, four- or five-man playoff? Uh, it was four. It, it Man, it should have been five. I felt really bad for Chris Goddard up for OU. He misses like a two-and-a-half, three-footer for birdie on 17, three putts on 18, misses out on the playoff by a shot, uh, and then loses in match play the next day, seven and five. He, he, I think, was the best player in the country this year, and it ended very poorly. So, yeah, ended up being a four-man playoff. Which was wild. And um, the freshman from Vanderbilt, who has a ridiculous swing himself, ends up winning it. But Jakaro was so close to winning it outright to, to – to nix the playoff his putt was just right there it was like a one revolution short of going in. i still don't know how that ball didn't go in but uh 
he made a great run at the individual national title. Is it back at Greyhawk again next year, Colby? It's back at Greyhawk again next year, and then it starts moving around. I think it goes to California the year after that, uh, and then I'm not sure what it is after that. But, yes, I believe next year is the final year in this rotation at Greyhawk. What, did they get upset that OSU won on their home course? Is that why they permanently moved it to Greyhawk for like three years? <laughs> I could have been. You remember Brant Snedeker threw his big fit when LSU won on their home course. Uh, again, that team was a legendarily great collegiate golf team. I, I think they were winning that year regardless of where they play it. Uh, they of course, played that on the moon. <laughs> yeah, the next year it was a similar team that lost at the Blessings uh, with those guys. But, yeah, they were so good. Uh, they could have won it in a lot of places. But uh, I will say, I mean, I don't love it being played on a team's home course. I would rather it be a neutral site. Uh, but I'm okay with it moving around. Greyhawk is is a good course. It's a good match play course. But a lot of holes take driver out of your hand. Uh, it's very hot down there every year, so they have to deal with the heat every year. Um, you know, they don't deal with any other weather, but it's 98 degrees down there every year and you got to play seven rounds in six days. So I I'm cool with it moving around. I do like the neutral sites so. though. Yeah. So disappointing in for them. Uh, you mentioned Goddard up. He, it's always the kiss of death that they hand out the, uh, the Haskins award given the nation's top golfer, like during the match play or right before the match play starts. I remember, um, I read a great story, uh, was, I think it was your, I think it was Golf Channel that wrote the story. Was it, it uh, was. Bradley Romine that wrote this great story about, the, I believe it was the 2012 National Championship match play with JT and Spieth? Is that the year? Yeah, it was 2012. I, uh, yeah, I had to ask Spieth some questions a couple of weeks ago in Tulsa to get some, some quotes to wrap that thing up for Brentley. And it ended up being uh, somewhat of a masterpiece. That was great. I mean, just give us, give us, give the listeners a synopsis of, of that. Just, um, cause yeah, like, I mean, JT gets awarded the Haskins award, if my memory serves right, and then Spieth dusts him in the match play. It's kind of similar to what happened to the OU golfer. Yeah, it's very odd the way they do it. I don't know why they don't just wait until after that player's been eliminated or just wait until after the event. Maybe they figure that that guy's down there for sure anyway, but they give the Haskins award out Monday night after the stroke play concludes. So Chris Goderup goes out, has a heartbreaking finish in the individual portion. I, I do mean heartbreaking. I mean, the, the short one on 17, he makes that. He's leading by himself going to 18. Parr probably wins the tournament. He three putts on 18. It knocked him out of the top five at PGA Tour U. It knocked OU down from the one to the two seed, which they then lost in the first round. I mean, it was a really, really bad half hour for Chris Goderup. And then it's like, hey, you, you mind coming inside so we can hand you the trophy? It's very odd. Back in 2012, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas were just neck and neck the whole year. And, and one of the things I asked Spieth last week is if that gave him any extra motivation. And he's like, yeah, man, I think he was like 0.08 shots better than me on the season. And I've got to stand there and, and watch him get the trophy and we're playing the next day. You know, we had all the motivation we needed, but I'll take a little bit of extra. So it's very weird the way they do that. Because, yeah, Spieth went out, beat JT in the match play. Uh, Texas got the national championship in 2012. Coach Fields said that it saved his career. It, uh, it, it's wild how they give the Haskins away, it, basically in the middle of the tournament. Well, the same thing happened to uh, Matthew Wolf. 2019 he wins yes. the haskins award and i believe he lost his match um uh, he did to cole hammer in the semis that's right so i believe it's, it's, it's kind of like the heisman trophy winner playing in the national title game it's always kind of like the kiss of death yeah um but maybe chikara can take it home and, and oklahoma state can win a national title next year but we'll have to wait another year for that speaking of golf i'm sure uh the, you guys at the golf channel have been busy the last what 24 hours uh <laughs> The field list for the Live Golf uh, League, whatever you want to call it, run by Greg Norman and the Saudi Arabian government, has announced their field. And there's a local tie here, Colby. Taylor Gooch, former Oklahoma State golfer, current PGA golfer, ranked 36th in the world, 35th in the world, somewhere around there. He's on the list. And uh, Colby, I think, you know, people were shocked to see Dustin Johnson's name on this, of course, being the player he is. But I think Gooch was probably the most surprising name besides Dustin to be, uh, to be named in this. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, especially nationally, Gooch is an up and coming player. He, he's, you know, either, I think he is 30 uh, and, and he's really kind of making his mark on the PGA tour. He's talked openly and publicly about wanting to become the number one player in the world. Uh, but, you know, we talked to him back on March 28th on the 73rd hall. He sat down with us and, and he talked about the live golf stuff and, you know, in that interview, he, he far from ruled it out. I mean, he, he basically called it intriguing and, uh, you, you know, so that wasn't a huge shock. Uh, the, the whole thing with Liv Carson, I mean, I don't like it. Um, 
I, I've never really liked it for, for the game of golf. I think you're taking, I, I mean, the live fields are going to be very weak and not a good product. And you're weakening the PGA tour product and the DP world tour product. And I, I just, I don't know that it's good for golf for them to just be able to, to buy Dustin Johnson. And, and now Dustin Johnson's just not on the PGA tour anymore because the Saudis bought him. I, I don't know that that's good for golf. Uh, but seeing the list yesterday, really, I mean, it made it very real. This is next week. And, and we were waiting for the list and it kept getting delayed, kept getting delayed, kept getting delayed. And now it's here and it's very real. Uh, so I'm curious as to what kind of product they, they actually put out there. Yeah, this went from, you know, just rumors and is, are they ever going to announce anything to becoming very real when a name like Dustin Johnson's on it and even a young up and comer like, like Taylor Gooch is on it. And I, I just think the PGA Tour has kind of created this problem. I mean, it's, if you don't make a cut, you don't get paid. It's the only professional sport that I know of that you don't have a salary. You, it's strictly performance-based. The top earners, the, the people that sell all the tickets, they don't get anything from the PGA Tour for that. And so I just, I just think the PGA Tour has been so set in their ways that they've allowed competition to offer something better for big names. Now, you mentioned it, the, the list is not very good. Um, I just think with guys like DJ and Taylor joining the joining this, I think you're going to see a lot more names doing it because, I mean, I caught wind of this a while ago. Um, I, I'm pretty much sworn to secrecy on it, but it makes a lot of sense for me. If, if I'm Taylor Gooch and someone's going to offer me, I think the, uh, the Shotgun Start podcast for reported with quotes said that they heard that he was getting 18 to 20 million up front before he even hits a golf ball. Um, that's that, that puts you in an entirely different stratosphere financially. Taylor Gooch, a new father. Uh, Taylor Gooch could lose his putter. He, he could get the yips tomorrow and never make a cut again. And the PGA tour, they have a pension program, but it's not, it's not even the same galaxy as this kind of money. And so if you're a Taylor Gooch, you're never going to be on the pip for like the most popular players like Phil and Tiger and those guys, uh, DJ events, people of that nature. It makes a lot of sense for me. And that's before you get to the moral aspect of it. I understand the Saudi Arabia sports washing that's gone on, but it's just, it's curious to me that the golfers are the ones being persecuted for taking Saudi money when Saudi Arabia purchased Newcastle United and the English Premier League. Uh, United Arab Emirates, they're basically their their prince owns Manchester City. They have their their human rights uh, their human rights history is not great either. Um, it's it's just curious to me. I guess I guess it's just because golf is this sport of gentlemen that they're supposed to take the moral high ground when F1 has races in Saudi Arabia. They they have their fingerprints all over sports across the world. And so if I'm Taylor Gooch, like I, I get, I play golf to make money and provide for my family. So now he's basically guaranteed himself $5 million a year for the next several years. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to cast judgment on Taylor Gooch for this. In fact, if someone was offering me that as a put, I get to work half as much and get paid 20 times what I'm making I mean, who, who's saying no to that? I, I, I can't fault him for it. I really can't. Yeah, it's th – there are pros and cons, right? Obviously, the pro is all the money. That's the big pro, right? It is a bunch of money. Uh, the cons, I mean, there are some. Number one, you're, you're no longer playing against the best players in the world. Uh, so kind of that competitive fire of wanting to be the best, you – there's no way to really measure yourself against the best because you're no longer playing against the best. So that's a con, uh, you know, being number one in the world, like you mentioned, playing, playing in a Ryder Cup, stuff like that. I mean, there are sacrifices that, that these guys are having to make in order to go get the live money. If you're willing to make those sacrifices, then go get the money. Uh, I will say I, I know very little about soccer. I know very little about English Premier League soccer. I do know a decent amount about Formula One. I've caught on to that uh, over the last couple of years. I will say that when Saudi Arabia was added to the circuit, there was uh, some outrage in the Formula One world. Now, it, at the time that it was added to the circuit was pre-F1 blowing up in America. Uh, I don't think it was talked about much over here. Um, but that is more so, you know, Formula One 
decided to go to Saudi Arabia. The drivers are just on the teams. They just they just race where they're told to race, as opposed to like if Saudi Arabia had started up a competing Formula One league and Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen had gone to race for Saudi Arabia's competing league and chosen to do that as an individual, as opposed to the sport deciding it and then just kind of telling them where to race. So that that would be my response to just the F1 specifically. I, I can't speak to any of the English soccer stuff, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's pros and cons. You're you're going to lose some sponsors. You're going to play in front of smaller crowds. Uh, you're not going to have the, the TV audience. You're not going to have the prestige and the legacy and all that stuff. But if you're willing to give that up for the money, then give it up for the money. I'm, I'm not here to tell you what to do. Yeah, I don't think he's going to have to give up playing against the best in the world or, you know, you know, competing against the best because I don't think there's any way that the USGA and the US Open and Augusta and the British Open, I don't think there's any way they're going to ban these people. I just, I don't. I don't think that would hold up for a second in court. And I don't think they're, I don't think the US Open is going to tell Dustin Johnson, like not having Dustin Johnson at the U.S. Open is not good for the U.S. Open and the USGA. I think they're going to say, we we support you, PGA Tour, but I don't think they're going to ban the, the, the golfers from playing in majors. And so does Taylor Gooch really care about playing in the John Deere? I don't think so. I know Dustin Johnson doesn't. Yeah, not the John Deere, but what about the Memorial, for example, like this week? What if none of these guys can play the Memorial next year? That's a big deal. Jack's tourney, Arnold's tourney, the Farmers with Tiger, those were a big deal. When you got $100 million in the bank, I don't think playing for Jack much matters anymore. Oh, no, I'm just I'm just saying that that's what you're sacrificing. I'm just, the money is obviously the big pro. You get all the money. The, the, the cons, there are some cons. Um, but, yeah, if you want to go get the money, go get the money. I, I do think the PGA Tour will ban them and, and figure it out in the courts. Um, but again, I, I think if you go play live, right? So you're playing against weak fields on golf courses that are not the, cali the caliber of what you're playing on the PGA Tour, certainly not in a major championship. I mean, I, I just, I don't think that you can get your game at a major championship level by playing seven or eight live events a year and then showing up to the majors and trying to win them. I, I don't think that your game can be where it needs to be. But, but again, if, if that stuff is not at the top of your list, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not telling everybody to, to prioritize, you know, PGA tour victories and, and PGA tour legacy and all that stuff. If that's not a priority for you, I look, that's not my decision to make. Yeah. And just to put in perspective, Taylor Gooch's career earnings as of now is $9 million. So he will have in all likelihood tripled, <laughs> tripled his career earnings without hitting a golf ball. That that's, that's hard for anybody to turn down, especially when you're a Gooch, who's not going to be on the Ryder cup team next year. He's, he's just not the American team's so right. loaded. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see how it all shakes out and see who, because Colby, I, I don't think Taylor's going to be looking around going, where are all the good players at? I think, I think there's, I think there's more players coming. Um, players. I think that'll surprise some people. That's just what I've gathered. And, and um, so I don't know, it's, it's, it's a very tricky situation, obviously, but I, even though I'd heard rumblings, I, it was still kind of, it was still kind of surreal to see Taylor's name on there with the, the way he's kind of emerged in the last two years on, on the PGA tour, but it'll, It'll be interesting to follow, but um, man, that's that's a, uh, it's a it's a wild turn of events for the sport of golf because this went from like just Phil and a bunch of no names and old guys to Dustin Johnson, who's not young, but still Dustin Johnson and, you know, one of their young studs in, in Taylor Gooch. So that's, it's going to be wild to follow. And I'm sure you guys at, at uh, Golf Channel will be all over it. And just one last point, you mentioned your podcast, 73rd Hole with, with Taylor Gooch. I would encourage everyone to go listen to that because Taylor did really kind of shine a light on how he felt about everything. But I also found it interesting when you had Bob Tway on with, along with Woody and Tway made a great point that I haven't seen hardly anyone making yet is that the PGA tour has never won a case in court when players have really sought to go play elsewhere. They just haven't. And I don't think that would hold up in antitrust lawsuits. And I, that's why I don't think that, Taylor will be banned from playing in majors, which if you're a professional golfer, those are the only four events that matter in terms of legacy, winning the John Deere, the Memorial, like those are great, but it's not a major. And so I, 
I have a hard time seeing them getting banned from playing in, in the big boy events. I really do. Now, Ryder Cup, sure, that 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 was going to be – that's probably not going to happen. But I just – I agree with what Bob Tway had to say about that. So I'd encourage people to listen to that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Go give it a listen. 73rd hole. Yep. Uh, quick couple basketball notes. Uh, Rondell Walker transferring to TCU? Like, I have one question. Why? Why, Colby? Why would you transfer to TCU? Um. Carson, that's a great question. Yeah, I mean, when I saw this news, I was confused. Maybe he feels like they've got a, a system that's going to utilize him. Maybe he likes Jamie Dixon. Maybe he likes Fort Worth. Um, I, I don't know. Again, that's that's his decision to make. And if he feels like TCU is the right place, I, I really do. I hope he has a ton of success. Uh, but, yeah, it, it didn't make a lot of sense to me whenever I saw it. Is this – I mean, is this not disturbing as, as an OSU basketball fan that – Guys like Isaac Likely transferring, Rondo Walker transferring within the conference. I mean, I know that's kind of the day and age we're living now in college basketball, but that's not exactly a ringing endorsement of, of Mike Boynton's program, is it not? I mean, I don't want to be too critical of Mike. I mean, there's a lot of factors you mentioned with systems, and I guess he's going to be playing with his former AAU teammate, Mike Miles, at, at TCU. There's obviously a relationship there, but I know we live in the transfer day and age and the transfer portal, but you got guys that Mike Boynton handpicked, recruited like a Rondo Walker transferring within the conference. That's, that's disturbing as a, as an OSU basketball fan. No, it definitely is. And it's one of those things I don't even know in the transfer portal era. I don't even know how to judge, you know, coaches based on their players leaving because they're doing it everywhere. Right. I mean, players are, it's just max mass exodus to the transfer portal and we'll figure it out from there. We'll figure out where we want to go next. I don't know how to judge coaches on that because we're, we're very much all still getting used to this transfer portal world that we live in. So um, I, I don't know, Rondell Walker, maybe he just felt like he didn't have a, a fit at Oklahoma state anymore. He was great his freshman season. And then it, it didn't work out so well as sophomore year uh, still wanted to be relatively close to home and headed down to Fort Worth uh, again, Carson, I just spinning, spinning my brain trying to make sense of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly wish Rondell well, I, I really enjoyed watching him play. He reminded me a lot of, you know, Ivan McFarlane and that I thought he was going to be one of the, you know, fan favorites for the duration of his career with how hard he played, how he just made things happen. Every time he got on the floor, it seemed like with steals and, and hitting some timely shots. So that's, that's a big loss. I mean, it's, um, it is the transfer portal day and age, but you got M.A. Moncrief leaving, Keelan Boone, Donovan Williams, Isaac Likely. That's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of holes to fill. So we'll see what Mike Boyden can, can do. He does get Avery Anderson back. He is, taking his name out of the NBA draft. I think that's a smart move by him. He did not have the season. I think we all kind of envisioned him having with, with Cade Cunningham leaving and kind of taking the reins at, at point guard. But uh, at least Avery Anderson's coming back to Stillwater. That's positive. Uh, yeah, that's a big positive for Oklahoma State. Obviously, uh, they're going to need it. Need guys to score, and hopefully he can be that guy. You know, he, he really came on strong uh, the, the year, two years ago, whenever Cade was here. Cade had the injury late in the season. He had the game against West Virginia, a couple other big games. Really came on strong. And we even talked about in the offseason leading up to last season, Carson, that he could maybe lead the conference in scoring and it didn't work out that way. It just for whatever reason, it, it wasn't a fit. He was streaky. He'd have one or two games where we'd think, oh, there's Avery. And then he'd have a couple games where he scored seven points, nine points, something like that, and uh, just kind of go away. So him coming back is a big deal, and, and hopefully he'll continue to progress as a player to become that more consistent number one scorer that Oklahoma State really needs. Yep. So they have him coming back, Bryce Thompson, Chris Harris still on the roster. You got Musa Cisse and Caleb Boone in the front court, along with Tyreek Smith. And uh, so, yeah, they, they have a good nucleus. It's just going to be filling in those, you know, those role player uh, guys coming off the bench and, and filling, filling the gaps there. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, let's get to uh, bullets and BBs, Colby. You got, uh, you got a bullet for me this week? Uh, bullet. Let's just do bullet for Oklahoma State. Cowgirls softball and Cowboy baseball as they are both in the postseason. Cowgirls headed toward the Women's College World Series getting underway tomorrow and Oklahoma State with the regional being in Stillwater. Both teams hosting regionals in Stillwater. Cowgirls have already made their way to the World Series. Hopefully the Cowboys will be joining them in just a couple of weeks' time. Uh, everybody did great supporting softball last week. Get out, no break this weekend if you can. And uh, hopefully we keep getting to watch these spring sports well into the summer, Carson. Love it. Uh, I'm going to go with the 
we got a tweet about this. Hopefully I can find it. My mentions have been full lately, but um, I want to give a bullet to the black uniforms that OSU's Cowgirl softball was wearing with the orange pinstripes. I mean, how good were the, I mean, I, I like all their uniforms they've, they've run out there. I mean, it's been like, it's been a total renaissance for OSU baseball and softball, just with uniforms, with the baseball team going back to the, the original looks they, they should have been wearing this whole time, the softball team as well. So I want to give a bullet to the equipment staff for the, the orange pinstripes on black uniforms. Never thought I would be saying that, but that's, that's where we are because they're awesome. I love those. Uh, yeah, that's a good one, Carson. I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a BB. I don't know that I really have one. Everything's kind of good in the Oklahoma State world right now. I mean, golf goes out a little bit early, but that's just kind of golf. I, I don't know. I think I'm just going to pass on a BB today. Passing on a BB. Hmm. I had one, and I just lost my train of thought on who I was going to give it to. Should I, should I give it to Doug Gottlieb for coming at me on Twitter? Oh, I, I missed it. <laughs> oh, I Doug, just, totally Doug, just, it. Doug just can't help himself sometimes. Uh, Explain it to me and everybody else who didn't see it, because I didn't see it. Well, I just tweeted that uh, you simply cannot rank Kevin Durant ahead of Steph Curry. You just you can't do it. I mean, just look at what Steph's done without Kevin uh, going to the finals again. Uh, Kevin, as the lead dog, just can't get there. He gets swept in the first round this year. Kevin, the only reason he has two titles is he joins Steph's team. And look, if you're talking just in pure basketball skill, who's better? I'd probably go Kevin. I mean, Kevin's the most naturally gifted scorer I've ever seen play. Steph's the best shooter I've ever seen play. But just the simple fact that he's got more MVPs, he's going to have more titles, and he did it as the lead dog. He's Steph's make, Steph Curry's making a case as a top 10 player ever with the resume that he's built. His resume is better than Kevin's. And of course, Doug hurled insults saying that I'm just a, a butthurt Thunder fan or Oklahoma City fan. And you know, he got real personal and I, I, I went above it. I, didn't, I just said, I don't know why you gotta get personal. I'm just speaking facts. But uh, Doug's always been good to me. He used to, he used to just slide into my DMs when he disagreed with a take, but this one he took public. So uh, I'm gonna give Doug a BB on this one. I think I, I, I he, he, he sent a gif with uh, the emperor from Star Wars saying, let the hate grow in you or something. And I just sent back, I'm going to keep spitting facts and working you like a speed bag with Muhammad Ali working a, working a speed bag. So I think I, I think I took him down. So I'll give Doug a BB for his, for his Kevin Durant argument. Uh, I mean, Steph Curry greater than Kevin Durant. That's my take on the, uh, on the whole deal, Carson. Yeah. I mean, just put the resume side by side and just look what they've done as the lead dog, you know, Barkley called Katie a bus rider. And that's, hey, as as the lead guy, he hasn't I mean, to win a title as the best player on the team. You got to go do it. And Steph's done it. Kevin has it. Simple as that. Case closed. That's, that's an easy call for me. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Uh, it's good to be back, Carson. Good yeah, to be back. Great to be back with you. Uh, hopefully, we can have some uh, success on the diamond this this weekend. And again, I encourage everyone to go out and support the uh, the cowgirls and the cowboys and. Uh, Colby, it's been good to be back with you. We'll get back with you next week. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good one. As always, big weekend. Go Pokes.